Hello, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of transgender, gender non-binary, and gender diverse community members in the United States and abroad. This is A Hateful Homicide. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah. transgender woman has been shot and killed in North Baltimore, Alpha. In the U.S., trans women of color have a life expectancy of just 35 years. This happens on a daily. Another one of my friends got killed right up the street from here. These cases are true. The victims are real and their voices matter. This is A Hateful Homicide. The murder of Mel Robert Groves. Who murdered Mel? Monday, October 11th, 2021. Jackson, Mississippi. Warning, the following episode you're about to listen to will contain audio evidence of misgendering. Listening discretion is advised. Oh, JPD says they're stopped in this murder investigation. They don't have a motive or a suspect. Right now we're in the process of trying to identify if the crime even occurred in Jackson. Police identified the victim as 25-year-old Melanie Groves. According to friends and family, Groves was a transgender man who went by the name Mel Robert Groves and answered to the pronouns he and him. Advocates are upset that police identified Groves as a woman. The cause of death is not going to change whether this person is labeled as male or female. The cause of death remains the same. And I think that what the family is comfortable labeling the coroner says Groves was shot multiple times in the upper body. Investigators say Groves drove to Merritt Have Central in Jackson, where he collapsed moments after he got out of his car with an Alabama license plate. And they was trans- transferred to the UMC where they died on the emergency table, operating table. Detectives say they need any clues or leads to get to the bottom of why Groves was killed. We have tried to find out any they don't want to have any information as as in regards to any shooting that they might that might occur in our city limits during that time and so we're looking into that now to see if there, if there could be a possible crime scene involved in this incident the transgender community says confusion about Groves' gender could make it difficult for police to catch his killer in jackson ross adams 16 wapt news it's monday october 11th 2021 in the city of Jackson, Mississippi. It would be the home where 25-year-old African-American transgender male, Mel Robert Groves, would reside. And by 5 a.m. Central Standard Time, he would be rushing himself to Merritt Hospital there in Jackson, where he would collapse just outside of its doors being rushed immediately to the University of Mississippi's medical center. 
And after being rushed into the operating room, by 8 a.m., he would be pronounced dead, leaving the city of Jackson jolted for months to come. Welcome, my audience. Thank you all so much for being here today. It all began that early Monday morning in October, and you had this incredible 25-year-old, handsome, vivacious, outgoing, soulful, African-American transgender male named Mel Robert Groves, and he was shot multiple times in the upper torso, and his case still remains unsolved. And so this episode of A Hateful Homicide really is an awareness piece because so many times um, we have cases of the trans experience far too many times that do not get coverage and certainly that do not get a conclusion. And so of course, um, with this been season three and wanna make sure that we do our parts as listeners, um, as well as my, myself as the podcaster, I wanna make sure that um, we're raising awareness for Mel's case. And again, pose the question, who murdered Mel? In today's episode, we're gonna talk a little bit about Mel, his journey, um, just the incredible accomplishments and accolades that this incredible 25-year-old transgender male did within his 25 years of life and the promise that he had. It's been almost nine months to the day since the hateful homicide of Mel Robert Groves. And it's important for us to just make sure that we continue to say his name. And that is what today's episode is about. And of course, if there's any, any information that any of you may have to my Southern siblings out there in Mississippi, Alabama, and the surrounding areas, please, please reach out to Chief Deputy Derek Heron. And um, that information can be shared there. So again, we're gonna take a little bit and talk about this hateful homicide of Mel Robert Groves and more, of course, about Mel himself. So this all began on that Monday morning when um, all of a sudden the nursing and medical staff at Merritt Hospital have a car that has now just been abruptly stopped in their emergency way and the individual had collapsed but before he collapsed he was able to press the horn to his car and they rushed out and they find this young african-american male identified with multiple gunshot wounds he's bleeding out he's incoherent and they get him into the Merritt Hospital's emergency room. They immediately notify the University of Mississippi's medical center staff, who then went ahead and began the transportation details to get him transported to a more um, highly skilled space where they could be able to handle these types of traumatic injuries. And that's where he was rushed to. and unfortunately, he gets there and dies on the operating table around 8 a.m. that morning. And according to the autopsy that was then um, done to Mel Robert Groves' body by coroner Sharon Grisham Stewart, um, she concluded that Mel had been shot multiple times, four times to be exact. And this was all within the upper torso, so along the neck chest and stomach area and that is where those four gunshots were sustained and despite and in spite all of that my audience male drove himself 
to the hospital. And that itself is just a, a, a testament to a lot of the, the comments and uh, messages that was left about Mel, which was that he was resilient and determined. And that is definitely gonna be seen throughout his incredible life, a quarter of a century of just excellence and black brilliance, my audience. And so, you know, I wanna take some time and talk about that. So Mel had, began his ginger journey well back around the age of 19. And so this would have been around the year of 2015. Prior to that, he graduated um, in 2014 from Mirror High School. This was out of the Lorman, Mississippi area. He and several of his good friends who just, you know, loved on him and became his chosen family, talked about um, his incredible accomplishments, um, the commonalities that they all shared as being queer and black youth um, in the South, in Mississippi and Alabama area, and how they all, um, several of them would go on to receive full ride scholarships. And these scholarships would be to historically black colleges. And Mel Robert Groves was one of the recipients of a full ride scholarship to a historically black college. And he went on to study plant and soil agriculture at Alcorn State University in Lorman, Mississippi. Again, um, and then he also went on to be part of this incredible uh, organization called the Knights and Orchid Society. You all. Mel was a huge avid lover for plants and botany and just the whole agricultural culture. And so this is what he went into. He's described as this tree hugger who would just love on plants and would always, always emphasize for everyone to go green. So I mean, he was definitely a huge um, lover of just that whole green movement. And so he was, again, a member of the Knights and Orchid Society, and this was based in Selma, Alabama. And ultimately what he would do there is um, really help secure a piece of property where they would be able to expand their agriculture services. And this organization was known for just focusing on prioritizing and supporting our Black TGI, transgender, non-binary, and intersex communities. And so all of this just tied into the whole essence of Mel, this idea of, you know, black excellence, black brilliance, and then being able to take that into science, you know, you have this almost like synonymous character of George Washington Carver, right? This incredible black man who loved agriculture and saw the beauty of, of what it can contribute to our society. And so, um, but at the time of his hateful homicide on October 11th of 2021, almost nine months ago, he was getting ready to become the full-time garden manager. Um, for the Knights and Orchid Society where they had um, just acquired this additional plot of property. And his really good friend, um, Quentin Bell, the executive director of the Knights and Orchid Society, really just talked about how Mel was looking forward to this opportunity to, you know, not only work and sustain an income with his passion, with his, his, his purpose, of being a plants and soil scientist, but then also being able to be part of an organization that uplifts black TGI communities and community members. This was a win-win, my audience. And so 
the heartbreaking reality of this is that he had so much to look forward to. He had so much in his life that was going his way. Again, once he graduated high school from Murrah High School in 2014, he went on and received a full ride scholarship to a historically black college. I'm doing some work at Tuskegee Institute in Tuskegee, Alabama, all the way again to Alcorn State University in Lawrence, Mississippi. His roots were pretty much um, um, planted there between Mississippi and Alabama. He had an incredible love for just being able to connect with community and again had tons of friends. Um, a couple of additional good friends of his was Caleb Grubbs and Hilliard Rashad Jones. And both of them talked about his love for plant trivia, his love for being able to just answer any and every question about the plant culture. Even some of his professors would reflect on being able to share their experiences. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> And what's interesting, my audience, is that you have this whole, really, this idea of male just being able to inspire others. He, uh, at the age of 25, was getting ready to graduate with his bachelor's um, in science and focused in plant and soil science. And all of this was coming into play um, for the 2022 um, school year. He was going to finish out and graduate and go on and have an incredible life. Born on April 27th of 1996, um, Mel was not supported and affirmed by his immediate biological family. Um, and so unfortunately, by 2021, he was the 39th victim. And his uh, chosen family and advocates of the community really spoke heavily and affirmingly about making sure that Mel's name and his pronouns were presented correctly. And as you could hear from Coroner Sharon um, Grisham Stewart, she was, you know, very divided in a way. She, you know, wanted to affirm Mel, but at the same time, acknowledging that um, his, you know, body was going to be um, re re released to his family. And so they had the final say as to how Mel would... Um, Hamel would be buried and presented, unfortunately. And this is one of the sad realities of our of our experiences as trans folks, my audience, is that if we do not have affirming immediate family, and sometimes even going back to our own preparedness, if we don't have a last will and testament of who we have to take care of our final, you know, resting wishes and um, burial choices, then this is the case of where the family will come in and make their own decisions. And this has been seen time and time again, whether it has been a community member who was in the eighties and was being, um, was, you know, dying from AIDS. And then their families also would come in and make these final decisions and their partners and loved ones would not be involved in these decisions. And this was the same for Mel's family. And what's heartbreaking is that you have Mel, this incredible 25-year-old black trans male who was so inspiring and aspired others to get into agriculture and botany and plant soul studies and then to just see his life abruptly ended 
you know, in 2021 in Jackson, Mississippi, you know, there was this growing surge of, of violence that was happening. And I just want to share a little bit of that with you to give you this context of the city of Jackson and the the violence that was ensuing and rising, especially right for um, at the time of this hateful homicide, this was 2021, so still very much so in the heart of the pandemic. And so there have been experts, criminal experts, who have spoken on the rise of violence um, from Officer Sam Brown all the way to other incredible um, experts.
for the uh, the police. Across the nation, officers are retiring earlier. They are also moving to different professions. Crime expert Michael Wigington Jr. says family members are also discouraging their loved ones from becoming police officers. On Friday, I'll bring you some solutions to violence in Jackson from the crime experts. For 12 News, I'm Jade Belexa. And as you could hear my audience, by 2020, Jackson, Mississippi, and the Jackson Police Department was a, had a shortage of officers. There was a lack of this, you know, lack of trust for the police. Crime rose because of the pandemic. And so, with all of these factors, by 2021, when you go into Mel Robert Groves' hateful homicide, and I strongly believe this is a hateful homicide, um, just because of some additional factors that I'm gonna share in a moment. But if you look at this context here, the city of Jackson, and giving you this idea of the criminal rise and the law enforcement shortage, will Mel's case be solved? Will we continue to ask the question, who murdered Mel? My audience, that's why we have to make sure we continue to say his name. Mel could have been murdered by someone he knew, as you could hear um, in the audio, you know, earlier. But according to several of his really good friends, especially one like Hillier Rashad Jones, Mel had become a victim of violence and discrimination, like so many of us who identify as trans, non-binary, intersex, queer. And he faced violence, discrimination. He was also oftentimes homeless. And so all of this was a result of Mel's gender identity him identifying as a black trans man. I prefaced with his family not being, his immediate biological family not being supportive, but he has this incredible village of chosen family that loves him and says his names and makes sure that his pronouns are mentioned correctly and affirmly in every media aspect and outlet. But because of these different factors, the homelessness, the violence, the discrimination, all of these multiple factors that have contributed to Mel having to consistently find employment, find safety, not even being able to report some of these acts, and then also being faced with violence and discrimination by medical providers, right? So one of the things that you know was very affirming of Mel prior to his arrival to Merritt Hospital was him being sure that the medical staff would affirm his gender identity. You know, he had this incredible pronoun pen, he, him, his. And even though, of course, there was still misgendering, he did his part to make sure that he was seen as Mel Robert Groves. And so we have to continue to do our part to make sure if there's any, any information surrounding his hateful homicide that we speak up. The Knights and Orchid Society have also offered a reward to anyone, as well as the Jackson Police Department, um, Deputy Chief Derek Heron, as well as the other um, law enforcement team, have all accumulated this award reward for any information 
that pertains to the capture of the perpetrator who committed the hateful homicide of Mel Robert Groves. The Jackson Police Department isn't sure that his shooting was attributed to his gender identity. But regardless of whether that had anything to do with it or not, this young man lost his life in the early morning hours of October 11th, 2021 in Jackson, Mississippi. Shot throughout his upper torso and then had the resilience to drive himself to the emergency room. And though that fight and that resilience did not prevent him from succumbing to his injuries, we have to make sure that we give Mel the credit that credit is due. And one of the things that is also important for us to take note of too is really understanding our transgender masculine and transgender male community. And there's so much information out there. When we think of, and we did a few episodes back in season one as well, um, and we talked with an expert named Lucky Alexander Fuller who talked about the suicide rates for our trans masculine individuals and how all of this contributes so many times to um, trans men self-harming. And though Mel was faced with so much violence and discrimination and even cases of unhousedness, he still continued to maintain that resilience. And all of that led to him getting ready to become the full-time manager um, for the Knights and Orchids um, Society as their plant manager. All of these things were coming into place for him. He was getting ready to get his bachelor's in science. So all these things were great. And this is the things that we want to continue to inspire our communities of color, our masculine communities, who oftentimes, sometimes are overlooked, especially in our justice systems as well. And so we want to make sure that we remind those individuals that just because you identify as a trans man, and just because that you go through violence and discrimination to keep pushing forward, Mel is a testament to that, right? Despite and in spite of everything that he went through, bullying, harassment, you name it, high school, college, facing all of this, he still continued to persevere. And so I just wanna take a moment as well and just um, share a little bit of one of Mel's really good friends, um, Caleb Grums, who just was really definitely devastated by Mel's hateful homicide. And it's important for us to really understand just how this hateful homicide has impacted his chosen family, his village of loved ones who just miss him every day and continues to question how they could have helped more what they could have done. And unlike so many of us who are victims of family members who have become victims of homicide violence, we ask ourselves, what could we have done? Is there more that we could have done? And the reality is, is that there isn't 
anything that we can do to prevent a hateful homicide from occurring. These things are, are going to happen and we mustn't blame ourselves. And so as you get ready to hear from Mel's friend and his, his family member, his brother, it's important for us to make sure that he knows that this is not his fault and that this hateful homicide happened and all we can do is continue to make sure we do our part to say Mel's name and continue to uplift each other. ...from close to who killed a transgender man this week. Police identified the victim as 25-year-old Melanie Groves. Investigators say he had been shot multiple times. Officers say Groves drove to Merritt Health Central Monday and collapsed when he got out of the car. He died later at UMMC. Friends and family of Groves say he was a transgender man who went by the name Mel Robert Groves. Advocates are upset that police identified Groves as a woman. We spoke to one of Mel's best friends since childhood. Hilliard Rashad Jones says he met Groves in middle school at a quiz bowl competition, and they graduated from Murrah High School together. Jones says he was one of the first people Groves told he planned to transition. Jones says he missed a call from Groves very early Monday morning, maybe the last call Groves ever made. And now he's wondering what was happening to his friend. I'm just trying to play the timelines in my head because it's like when he called, when I got to this call, it was 4 a.m. my time, 3 a.m. in Jackson. I'm like, you know, what was he doing? Well, why, like, when he called me, was he calling me because he was in trouble? Was he calling out for help for me? Like, what was he doing? Maybe he was calling to say goodbye. What was he calling? Like, like and, and all those statements, all those things were going through my head. And it's so hard for me to just. Like, just, just process it all, but I'm like, I know you want me to, you want me to go on. Jones says Groves was passionate about studying plants, LGBTQ advocacy, and his cat, Boo Radley. Groves' death is the 115th homicide in the capital city this year. And as you could hear from his brother, from another mother, Hilliard Rashard Jones, who he had known since high school. All of these questions were in his mind. Why did Mel call? Could he have picked up? All of these things that we ask ourselves uh, if ever found in this situation. And again, it's important for us to remind Hilliard and Caleb and Quentin and all of his chosen family who loved him and who was at his memorial service. And just to remember to just love on Mel and be there for him and his family. It's important for us to continue to do our part. And that is exactly what we're gonna do, my audience. So again, if there's any information that you all have, please, please, please reach out to Deputy Chief Derek Heron. Please reach out to the Jackson Police Department. And of course, there's additional rewards from the uh, Knights and Orchid Society as well as the Jackson Police Department. So let's get justice for Mel Robert Groves. Um, I wanted to also, again, give you a little bit more context from some individuals who identify as trans mask to really get us into understanding our trans men, um, our community members, our, our siblings and brothers who too, as we've covered, are victims of um, homicidal violence. But again, also um, 
do um, have a higher rate of self-harm. And so it's important for us to just really hear from a few individuals, kind of their own experiences as trans folks, especially as trans men, and what that has been like for them, as you can hear now. And I have a pet rabbit, and I have a girlfriend, and I go grocery shopping. There's a lot of really boring things about me, and on top of that, I'm a trans man. I'm Nicholas, I identify as a trans man. My name is Leith Ashley and I identify as a trans man. My name is Johnny and I identify as a trans man. My name is Bellamy and I identify as a transgender man. My name is Jai and I identify as a transgender male. When you're born, you get assigned a gender based on your body. Some people don't necessarily match up with that gender. I'm one of those people. I was assigned female at birth, but I identify as a man. I think when you're trans, People don't perceive you the way that you're trying to be seen. For me, being transgender is a journey of discovery. When I was born, they thought, you know, this is a girl, but I identify as a man, and so, transgender male. I didn't actually know it was possible to be trans until I was 14, but until then, there had been a series of moments that, looking back, definitely make it obvious that I was always supposed to be male. You know how in school they split you up across the class based on who's female and who's male, and then pit each side against each other in a dodgeball match? I'd always go to the wrong side of the room. From a very young age, I knew I was supposed to be a boy. It was just something that was. And the expectations of me as a girl were not things that I could do. My mom would put me in these little pink frilly dresses with poofs on, on the shoulders and lace on the socks and I, I would tear it off. 12, 13, moving into middle school, I was very aware of the fact that I didn't feel like other girls. I didn't identify with this sort of idea of being female. I remember thinking, oh, that's for my next life. I'll, I will die and when I come back, I will be a boy finally. I went to college. One guy was on a, a panel and he told this story and he was like, I remember when I came out to my parents, mom, dad, I'm attracted to women and I got a big laugh because everyone was like, yeah, okay, straight guy, you know, not exactly record-breaking. He eventually said that he was trans and that's when I was like, oh, you can be trans and just look like a guy. I didn't know that trans was a thing until I was 19. I was just on YouTube, I don't know what I was looking for and I came across guys like documenting their transition. I realized what it was and I was like, oh my god, this is me, this is who I am. When I was like 13, 14-ish, I actually dressed up as a man for an English project and I realized suddenly this is how I identify, like this is who I am. I didn't come out until I was 23. I worked at Cattle Lord Community Health Center, which is an LGBT health center. And I started seeing patients coming in, living their truths. I decided then that I wanted to undergo my medical tra transition. I remember the day, obviously, January 22nd, 2014, is when I had my first hormone shot. I started going to a doctor who count Ward, and I wanted her to help me get surgery. And she said, well, what about taking hormones? And I was like, I don't know how much it's going to cost. I don't think my insurance would cover it. She like plugged it into her computer and turned the screen around. It was $10. I started crying that doctor saying it would be $10 a month for the world to start seeing you the way that you want to be seen. 
I was 18 and auditioning for colleges and my parents were making me wear dresses. And that was the last time I wore a dress because I told them, hey, I'm not quite girl here. Immediately I changed everything. I was like, I have to cut my hair. I have to dress like boys do. I have to only wear blue. And then as I got older and more comfortable with who I was, and more kind of comfortable with the idea that I'm never going to be a cis person and that's okay and I can kind of do gender my own way. I allowed myself to kind of get back into styling myself the way that I am comfortable. Post-transition, I feel like I have to give someone the heads up like, hey, by the way, I'm a trans guy, are you okay with that? On my Tinder profile, I did have my gender as trans male. The positive on that is that they're already know to it and you can kind of move forward with getting to know each other and all aspects of being a human being, not just gender and sex. Wrote my profile like, trans man, take it or leave it. I loved that I could put it in their court and I didn't have to come out in a way. If I'm meeting somebody in person, I'm never quite sure how they're going to react to me and if I'm meeting them online or on an app, they already have a picture in their head of me where they know I'm male and it's a bit easier. Pretty much everybody I've ever dated has identified within the LGBTQ community in some way. I feel like they better understand, like, my relationship to gender is not going to be the same as a cis person's, and that's cool. Like, that's fine. I joined Tinder, and I met up with uh, this great woman who I was talking to, and my profile said, you know, trans man. I think I listed it, like, two or three times to make sure that there was not going to be any question about it. We're still together now, and I found out later on that she had, like, Google how to date a trans man because you didn't want to say the wrong thing. That was really sweet. If you're not going to ask a straight cis man about their genitals, don't ask a trans man about his genitals. If you have a question, Google is a thing. <laughs> they will tell you what not to ask a trans person that you just met. It's not a choice. It's a truth that you uncover about yourself just like any other. Ask questions. Learn more if you're interested. You don't have to understand. There's a lot of stuff I don't understand about the world, but that's okay. We can still learn and process the world together. People can sometimes assume that we're like fundamentally different than everybody else in like some deep central way, and we're not, you know, we're just people. Some trans people are gonna be really far outside the binary. Some people are gonna, you know, identify close to the way that cis people identify. It's not something that should be downplayed or disrespected, but it's also one facet of who we are. I have a high voice. I have a chest, and there are aspects of me that may seem feminine, but I am male. Trans women are completely female, and non-binary people aren't either male or female. They're whatever they are. If a person is a certain gender, then they are that gender. They are what they say they are. I really truly feel like being trans is has opened my life to so many experiences and so many possibilities. It's not going to be overnight. I know I want the instant gratification. I would love to be able to grow a mustache. I'm not there yet. You'll get there. It will be okay. If you feel that it is unsafe for you to come out and start your transition while you're living at home um, with your, your parents or your guardian, wait. Don't be afraid to experiment with different names and pronouns. It's a beautiful thing. I love being trans. It can be really exciting and wonderful. It's a really creative, loving community with many, many people who will help other people who are starting on that transition. Fight for what you want. And I think the problem is it can be really easy to get caught up in what we want to be for our family or our community. Find who you are and then pursue that. 
And as you could hear my audience, as we prepare to get ready to conclude the, this episode of A Hateful Homicide, Who Murdered Mel, you could hear from all of these trans men, trans masculine individuals in their truth and their journeys. And this is exactly the same trajectory that Mel Robert Gross was on, right? He was in college. He was dating. He was, you know, he too had to navigate with, you know, his family. And so this gives you a context and an idea of his own experience from other individuals just like him. And so to my brother from another mother, Mr. Mel Robert Gray Groves, excuse me, he, him, his, born April 27th, 1996, and resting on since October 11th, 2021, we remember you yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever, and always. Thank you all again so much, my audience, for tuning into this episode of A Hateful Homicide. My name is Mallory Jenna Robinson, your host. Please follow us on Instagram at A Hateful Homicide. You can follow me at Mallory Jenna 90. Please also check out our website at hatefulhomicide.net. Reach out to the Jackson Police Department, Deputy Chief Derek Heron, as well as the Knights and um, Orchid Society. Please make sure you reach out to them if there's any information that you all have. Use the hashtags a hateful homicide, um, true crime, trans awareness, say his name, suspenseful Saturdays. Again, thank you all so much and please enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.